0: I want to talk to you for a few moments out of god's word um about uh, this is a strange word so give me a few minutes warm, warm up with me um i want to talk to you about the capacity of your life um when you get a word in your mind you you know you're kind of looking for i thought the the songs we sang tonight just really were all about capacity um it's, it's something the holy spirit really has working in my heart how much capacity do we have as believers and the text i want to share with you is out of first peter chapter 2 and it says i'll read it to you as you come as you come to jesus the living stone as you come to him the living stone rejected by men but chosen by god and precious to him um Oh, you guys have it up there. I was going to say, would you like to read along with me? Yes. You know, follow along as I read. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to him. You also like living stones are being built into a house of the spirit. You are being built into a house of the spirit to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then I'm gonna to move to verse nine of the same chapter, 1 Peter 2, and it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And dear friends, what I have read to you is God's word. This is God's word. I don't know how often you fly, but I fly... Pretty often and when I get bored I read those magazines in the back of the you know, those airline magazines in the back of the rack and I don't know why, but I always start in the back end and I I like I like the back end of the magazines because the first thing I do is I I want to see the diagrams of the airports to which this airline is flying to. So, if like if you're headed to London, you can look in the back of the magazine and it shows you where the bathrooms are in the London airport, and it shows you also in the back um, the the capacities of the plane. It shows you how many first class seats and the you know the airlines have different different. Sizes of airplanes, and so it tells you everything you need to know about the seven oh seven and seven forty seven how many first class seats the engines, the manufacturers and I didn't know this until recently, but it actually shows you and some of the magazines show you the capacity of the engines that are that are in the planes i was I got really intrigued with that the the other day because it occurs to me that for some people, knowing where you're going isn't enough, some people need to know how they're going to get there, see? Um, you know, they want to know how fast they're going to fly. They want to know um, how much thrust is in that engine. And, and I guess they want to know that because if they come across a storm, they want to make sure they have enough capacity in the engine to get through the turbulence, say well i've been thinking a lot about the capacity of christ's church i've uh, i think i know where we're going <laughs> you know for the most part we're going i think most of us are going to go to heaven you know i believe that but i'm a little bit i'm a little bit intrigued about our capacity along the way i wonder how much um, I wonder how much peace we have for a nation that's experiencing so much confusion right now. I wonder how much love we have for people who really don't like us that much when they find out that we're believers. Um, I wonder how much wisdom we have for, you know, let's just talk. I wonder if we have enough spiritual thrust to get through the tests and the trials that that, um, we face in an hour like this. Our text suggests, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this tonight. Our text suggests that, and I can hardly say this, because it's so it's so crazy. But our text suggests that the glory of God himself abides in the church. That's crazy. The glory of God himself abides in the church. And if that's true, and it is, my question after reading the back of the magazine is, how much glory, how much glory of God abides in the church? One day, God announced a vision over his people to Moses. And he said, Moses, I've seen the slavery of my people, and I'm going to come down and I'm going to rescue them. And you, Moses, are going to be the key guy. You are going to deliver my people from their oppression." And of course, if you know the story, Moses began to backpedal. He's like, no, no, God, not me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not your man. There's too much wrong. And, and uh, the problem, of course, was that Moses had programmed his mind to live his life within certain boundaries or capacities, or, you know, he had a lot of limitation over his, over his life. And, you know, God said something to him that has really impressed my soul. He, he said, Moses, listen, this is in Genesis chapter four, verse six, he he says, Moses, I am going to make you as God to Pharaoh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you as God. In other words, Moses, you are about to confront the strongest source, the supreme source of evil in the world. You're about to go in front of Pharaoh and negotiate. And I'm telling you, Moses, you're probably, I'm using kind of, you know, a comfortable language here. You're probably not going to do very well against the supreme source of evil in the world if you see yourself small. If you see yourself as some fugitive running from the law. If you see yourself as someone who doesn't speak well enough. If you see yourself without without the capacity that you need to confront this supreme source of evil, then Moses, two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to miss out on a great adventure. And number two, you're going to limit what I intend to do for my people. So Moses, there's a capacity in you and I'm not going to settle for your excuses. Again, this is a little bit of a paraphrase, but it's in the Bible. You can read the story for yourself. I'm not going to settle for your excuses because there's a nation of slaves that's depending on you to get all the thrust in your life that is available. There's a whole nation of slaves that are waiting on you to step into your capacity. So Moses, get over your quirks and start living in your upgrade because and this is the key I will make you as god to pharaoh I will make you more than you are there's another story I love this story, a king, it's the story of king see old testament story king Jehoash And um, uh, Elisha has been his spiritual partner, and now Elisha is about to go to heaven, and things are winding down. Jehoash is afraid. He's like, what am I going to do without Elisha to bring me the anointing, you know? And and Elisha looked at the king, and he said, take your arrows, O king, and strike them on the ground. Do you like the way I said, O king, there? It gave it a King James flavor. Take the arrows and strike them strike them on the ground and the kings did. All right, so this is where three strikes, okay? He bang, bang, three strikes. And then he looked, I don't know if he was looking for affirmation to the prophet, but Elijah says, oh no, king, You only struck the ground three times. I wish you would have struck the ground five times or six times because every time you were striking the ground, you were invoking a victory over your enemy and you settled for three strikes instead of five strikes. Uh, I believe that God is looking for a group of Christians in this hour Who are willing to say I'm going to be a four strike or a five strike Christian I'm going to push as hard as I can I'm going to have victory over my enemies I'm I believe that God is looking for some people to go past the previous place one more story and then I'll start actually doing something here but uh do you remember the story in the old testament about the widow who had run out of oil and the prophet came to her and said look there will be over your life a supernatural supply of oil. What you need to do is go to your neighbors and get as many empty vessels as you can and bring them and we'll start pouring the oil in the empty vessels. And as long as you have empty vessels, there'll be a supernatural supply of oil. And that's exactly what happened because as soon as all the empty vessels were filled with oil and there were no more empty vessels, are you sure there are no more empty vessels? Go go look and see. no, no, sir, Mr. Providence, There are no more empty vessels. Well, okay then, that's when the supernatural supply of oil stopped. And the point of all of these stories that I've been telling you now is to realize that the capacity of believers is never limited by the heavens. It's only limited by the humans. See? The text that I read to you a few moments ago I'd like to break it down into three ideas. Number one, the capacity for glory. Number two, the capacity for ministry. And then number three, how do we actually activate our capacity? So are you guys good? You doing okay? You know, in Texas, they talk back to you a little bit, right? But you don't have to. No pressure, all right? I can just, I can just talk to you. I'm great. I'm, I'm glad. And you look good tonight. You really do. You look good. Some better than others, but you look great. <laughs> All right, so number one, capacity for glory. The text says in verse 4 as you come to him the living stone you also like living stones are being built a spiritual house, a house of the spirit to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now here's another Moses story. Moses and the slaves have been liberated out of Egypt and they've come across the Red Sea and it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Now God instructs Moses to gather the People. this is in exodus chapter 19 it's like moses now that you are free from your slavery you're no longer a slave nation I want you to move toward your potential. Now, um, what I want you to do, Moses, is get the people together, get the people together and have them make promises and vows to me and to one another. Get the people together, have them make promises to me and to one another. And if they make the promises and the commitments to one another on this mountain, if they make the promises and the commitments to me and to one another, on this mountain, then now I'm going to read the Bible, out of all the nations of the earth, I will make you my treasured possession, though the whole earth is mine, you will be a kingdom of kings and priests you will be a holy nation and together, all of the people, the former slaves, how many of you are glad you're no longer a slave, right? You're no longer a slave to fear, do you sing that song? not a slave to fear, any longer I'm not a slave to money, I'm not a slave to sex, I'm free now that you are no longer this is God talking to the people, no longer that, now that you're no longer a slave to any of the things that Egypt had over you, I want you to start moving toward your potential and, and so make these vows, make these promises to God and to one another and all the people together said, we will, they said it, they said we will and when they made their agreements together with God and with one another, when they made their agreements not just individuals expressing their personal faith, when together they made their agreements, that mountain exploded with smoke and fire and trembling in the presence of God and revelation. It was the most amazing thing. Now, I'm trying to impress you with the word glory. The word glory, glory is a big deal The glory of God is a big deal. Our our church back in Dallas has core values like yours our core value number one is the substance of God and and what we mean by that is as a church we highly value the presence of God oh I sensed his presence about that second song I just began to sense the presence of God here we highly value the presence of God and the testimony of Jesus and what we do because we value that is we make a promise to our community and we say look if you hang out with us in Trinity Church if you hang out with us then we're not just going to study about God and we're not just going to tell the old stories about what God used to If you hang out with us, you'll actually meet the living God. That's a promise we make to people. You'll meet God here. And what are we doing? We're promising them the glory. We're saying the glory of God. We recognize, according to Scripture, the glory of God is in our midst. Moses was so impressed with the idea of God's glory that he said, God, I am not willing to go farther. I'm not willing to go forward anymore unless I can look directly into your glory. And God said, You don't have the capacity for that. So you can see a glimpse of my glory, but I'm saving my my glory for a day of greater capacity. Now the word glory, you know, I'm not gonna spend much time with that. It's just the brilliance of God. It's just the goodness of God. It's just the beauty of God. And the shocker of this whole episode is when Peter decides to talk to his church about how they can increase their capacity, he plagiarizes out of what happened in Exodus. He takes this Old Testament experience with Moses and he imports it for the church that he's the pastor of and he's speaking to his guys and, and he's saying, look guys, we're no longer slaves either. We've come out of ritual and religion and, and you know all of the customs and Judaism and we've come out of all, all that and, and Peter is saying to his people, if we build together, if we make vows and... He's talking about the church. If we make vows and commitments to one another, Peter, the audacity, he says the same glory that came to Moses on the mountain will come to us. if We'll build our relationships. Now that's the caveat. That's the problem. Because this is not a glory, listen carefully, this is not a glory that is available only to individuals. It's a together glory. See, and this is one of the things that makes the church unpopular these days because um, Western culture, the centerpiece of Western culture is individualism. Everybody's being trained to make decisions based on what's best for me, right? I've got to follow my heart. I've got to prefer my desires over everybody else's desires. And I want to look out across the nation and say, and how's that working out for the United States of America? See, everybody making decisions in their own best interest i mean anybody that's even in a relationship knows that if one of the people in the relationship is making decisions only for self interest that's going to that's going to be a rough ride that's going to be a disintegrating re- relationship and and so this this capacity in the church for the glory of God is a corporate promise. It's not not a level of glory available. Listen, salvation is personal. Don't get confused with me. It's personal, it's individual, but God uniquely inhabits his built together people. uniquely inhabits his built together people. There's a great word in the New Testament. I, and I, you know, it's my favorite word, actually, and yet you miss it when you say it in English because it's translated just as the word together. It's, but, but it's the word homothumadon homothumadon Don't you love, it sounds so cool in the Greek. homothumadon it means same fire, same fire. And when you read the book of Acts, it's everywhere. For instance, in Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were together in one place. You you just think, well, they're just together like a Saturday night service, but it literally means they were in the same passion together. They were in the same fire together. and You know, Acts 2.44 says all the believers were having the same fire. They were together and everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miracle signs were there inside the church. This was Acts 2.44. Acts 4.32 says all the believers were one in their heart and in their mind. It's the word homothumadon. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify of the resurrection you know it's it's a secular word it's not even a religious word but it's the picture of you know when 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 the Steelers win score the winning touchdown in the last seconds of the game and all the stands erupt together that's homothumadon they have the same passion they have the same celebration or whenever there's a newborn baby and, and and it's finally brought out for all the family members to see the baby and everybody goes oh that's homothumadon Everybody having the same passion, having the same, same fire. And that, I really believe that was one of the keys to the capacity of the New Testament church that we read about in Acts. Uh, and, and, and so when God's people, oh my, oh church, when God's people make vows and promises together, when we make covenant, when we make agreements with one another, we access the glory. I, can't, I can hardly say it. We access the glory of God in ways not otherwise available it's kind of common sense Um, I'm sure that you know the value of reading the Bible there's a way that we can actually meet God in the scripture and through the scriptures we read the words in the Bible and the Holy Spirit helps us meet God through reading the Bible but do you know that this will happen infinitely faster if you read the Bible together in your small groups in a Bible study. Because in your Bible studies, you have an accumulated knowledge. The church has generations of Bible study to bring forward through, through books. And not only that, but you have all of the, uh, the different perspective of the other members of the body of Christ who are together with you in your small group. And so infinitely faster you will meet God through reading the Bibles if you do it with a group of people rather than by yourself. It's just common sense. Same thing with Prayer. Same thing with with worship there's more capacity there's more momentum when we do things together than when we do things alone by our, I mean I, I listen to sermons every day it's just part of it's part of my, my daily devotion but i'm telling you it's radically different when i 'm sitting in a room with other people listening to someone I mean I love webstream not to be offensive because we do that too but I 'm just saying it's i right, 'm preaching to you now and I, I can see you. I can see you. I can see you when you nod your head. I can see you when you smile. I can see you when you lean forward. You can see me. You can see my enthusiasm for what I'm preaching to you. that, that We're in an atmosphere that's been prayed over. We're in an atmosphere where the, the hymns and the songs that we've sung are lingering in an atmosphere. It's radically different than when, when I just listen to a sermon on YouTube. It's radically different. There's a corporate glory that, that's available. God has this crazy idea, this wild idea that he's going to put his glory, I can hardly say it, his glory in living stones. And when I read that, I want to say to the back of the, how much glory? How much? God, how much capacity could there be at Summit Church? Because what i Believe, And the reason I came and the reason I'm sharing this message with you is because I really believe that God desperately desires a group of people through whom he can break the previous limitations of his glory. I think he wants a customized glory for this generation, for this church. I don't know, did you used to, anybody raised in the church and you used to sing that old song, "'Tis a Glorious Church." I sang that all my life. I didn't even know what I was talking about. A church that contains God, wow. So one day, Isaiah decided he would go to the Saturday night service and uh, just regular church, just, just going, just showing up, you know, and he gets to church and the Bible says on this particular Saturday night, he saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. Bible says this train filled the temple. It was radically transforming. It's so transformational to Isaiah. Nothing like that had ever happened before. He'd just gone for the ritual. He just killed the animal and put it on the fire and just, just done that. And I'm just trying to get you to understand that we there's a there's a time for us to recognize that we need, we cannot him in the level of glory that we've been currently operating in. We cannot live with small expectations when we understand understand that the God we're worshiping and that the God we're serving is so much more capable than the God that we're expressing in 1857 in New York City there was a guy named Jeremiah Lamphere he felt like he should start a noontime prayer meeting for those guys that work on Wall Street and so in the middle of New York City put out all these advertisements hoping somebody would come and and help him pray over New York City and on the day that the prayer meeting was to begin nobody showed up and the next week nobody showed and then a couple of guys showed and 2 years later 10,000 people were gathering on a weekly basis on a daily excuse me on a daily basis uh, to pray for the city of New York and between the, uh, the years 1857 and 1860 50 to 80,000 people converted to faith in Jesus Christ 10% of the population of New York City profess Jesus Christ as their savior. How do you explain that? What happened? You can only say, the train filled the temple the glory broke through previous limitations. There's a story of 1856 in Northern Ireland. There was an English woman who was visiting a relative in Northern Ireland. Her name was Conville and she decided she was going to help a little local church. So she went door to door knocking on, on the neighbors and asking if they would come and visit the church. But no one came and she went back home to London feeling like she had been fruitless. But there was one young man on whose door she had knocked. His name was James McQuilkin and he began to invite some, he began to go to a church and and he was impacted by our visit he, he converted he joined a couple of other students and he asked that they began just a student-led prayer meeting it took a while nobody came and then a few people came and then one more guy accepted Jesus Christ and between the years 1857 and 1860 a 100,000 students were converted in that. the region only had 300,000 people and a 100,000 of them converted to Jesus Christ how do you explain that you, you can only say the glory of God passed by June the 18th, 1995, Father's Day at an Assemblies of God church in Pensacola, Florida. It was a discouraged pastor. He wanted to quit. There was, an, there was a visiting evangelist. The presence of God came into that small Assembly of God church. And for five years, nightly, people came from all over the nation and then from all over the world to be healed, to be saved, to be strengthened. And during those five years, over four million people came to have an experience with God. How do you explain that? You can only say there were a lot of empty vessels that were being filled in 1900 less than 1% of all the Koreans in the world were believers in Christ and now one third of all the Koreans in the world confess Jesus Christ God broke through And what I know about God is he really delights to display himself. You say, oh, the church is just a human institution. I hear that all the time. People complain, the church is just a human institution. Half right, half right. And that's why there's jealousy in the church. That's why there's apathy in the church. But dear friends, the church is the only institution of which Jesus Christ is the head. The church is the only institution that was started by and is inhabited by God. So I've come today to ask you to value and to commit to the idea of doing faith together. So that was point one. Point two, it's shorter. <clears throat> the capacity for ministry. It says you're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priest. Are you doing okay? Can you get one more point? All right, holy priesthood. To be a holy priesthood. Now, historically, I would say all cultures have believed pretty much two things. Number one, that there is a supreme being, whether it's our God or not. Every culture believed in a supreme being for the most part. And they believed also that there was a gap between where the people were living and where the supreme being with all of his power actually functioned. And so every culture would form temples or they would form priests. They would have holy locations and they would have spiritually elite People that would allow somehow a bridge to be built between the deity that they worshiped and that they imagined are, are, was there, and, and they would have spiritual places that they could meet with this deity. So, I mean, Israel herself had three categories of spiritually elite people Israel had prophets, Israel had priests, and Israel had. Kings and those were the guys who had proximity to God. Those were the guys who who had direct access to God. But the common people they could never they could never get to God. They had to come through the holy places. They had to come through the priest. They had to come through the kings. And they could only meet with God through these spiritually elite people. And then Christianity showed up. And do you know the Romans? The Romans didn't even believe that Christianity was a religion because because they hadn't Christians hadn't no temples christians had no sacrifices christians had no priest and the reason of course was because christians believed first of all that jesus was the temple and that jesus was the priest in other words christians believed that number one jesus was god and number two jesus was mediator to god and i'm giving you all that theology to get to this practical application when christianity came oh my goodness oh my goodness, when Christianity came, anyone, no, I mean tax collectors and prostitutes and lepers, anyone could meet directly with God. Peter's language is so much more radical than we imagine because what he's saying to his church and now I'm saying to our church is we're the temple went. We're the place people meet with God. We're the priest. We're the, verse 9, chosen people, royal priesthood that we may declare. Declare is a technical term for the prophet. And, and, and so, you know, we declare, we're royal priest. Hear the kingly language there. We, we're royal priest. And here's the point. In Christianity, in the church, this is what Peter is saying. There are no more spiritual elites or to say it a better way, we're all spiritual elite. We're all prophets and priests and kings. I I think there's a generation of young people and they all live in Philadelphia because that's where my son lives and that's what I know the most about. But there's a generation of young people that have disdain for institutional religion and i think the mistake that they make is they believe that the organized church is the same as institutional religion and i'm just telling you it's not just because something is something has structure doesn't mean it's institutional right I mean, a tree has structure, but oh, it's got mystery in the leaves and in the roots. It's got a lot of life, and, and your body has structure to it. But there's a whole lot more going on than, than your body. And I'm just, I'm reminding you that though the church is structured, I mean, we've got pastors, and we've got apostles, and we've got prophets, I'm, I'm asking you, I've come, I've come to say, please do not ever let the church become Institutional. Do you, do you know the difference between a, a movement and an institution? You know, an, an institution is top down. It's 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 hierarchical. It's it's almost impossible to change. It has lots of rules. But a movement, oh, it's bottom up. It's fluid. It's 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 where young people scatter throughout Indiana, Pennsylvania, to into the nursing homes to present the love of Jesus Christ. I I, I wish I could could introduce you to my friend Polo. Polo is a person who came to our church about six months ago he's responsible for about 40 new members coming into our church. He was a gang member in one of the, he's about 45 years old. He was a gang member in one of the worst parts of Dallas. We have some bad parts of Dallas. We really do. He was from the worst. And um, he he, the first time he visited our church was on a Wednesday night and he noticed across the room was one of the guys that had tried to shoot him in a it made meet and greet pretty interesting that night all right i'll just tell you it was a really interesting kind of like but anyway apollo ended up accepting jesus christ as his savior and And um, he decided that he was going to do an outreach. He wanted our church to do an outreach. It's about 20 miles away. He wanted our church to do an outreach in his neighborhood. He wanted wanted, uh, us to give out backpacks before they went back to school. Now, I'm telling you, we have a lot of pastors on my staff, and not one of our pastors would have ever thought to do an outreach in that particular neighborhood. But Polo was insistent. He's like, no, we're going to do it. I'll do it by myself, but I wish my church would do it with me. And so, one Saturday, morning just a few weeks ago we all showed up in the worst part of downtown dallas you can't believe how bad it is it's a bad part of town we're all showing up we're all a little bit scared but polo takes charge and he starts handing out these backpacks and somebody decided they'd present the gospel i'm not kidding you 150 people acknowledged jesus christ as their savior that day and the reason i'm telling you that story is because it wasn't something that the pastors initiated it was something that polo said come on and do it with me It's a movement. I was gonna tell you about Rick Glover. He said one day, I just wanna take care of the prisoners. I just wanna love on those guys and and will my church go with me? And so a few people decided to do it and I get the privilege every Sunday morning now of by satellite preaching to an entire prison system in Venus, Texas, which is just down the road from us and he's there teaching them Bible studies. A whole group of our men are, are, are doing that but it started in his heart, not mine to tell you about. I wish I could tell you about Tara. Tara is personally, with through her team, she's discipling two thousand public school students this semester in the public schools of Cedar Hill and the surrounding communities. She's discipling those students because God said to her, "I think, I think you can do this. Just work your way through." And after a few years, two thousand public school students that she's discipling every week. And I'm just trying to say, unless the church decides that if we're waiting on Pastor Mel and Pastor. Kim, him to do all the stuff that needs to happen in Indiana, then the glory of God is gonna be minuscule. But if the church decides together we're gonna to do something that displays the beauty and the splendor and the goodness of God, then we'll break through the limits. Like I said, my church says amen occasionally whenever I say something really good. But you don't, don't feel any pressure. I just, it's okay. It's okay. I'm emotionally secure. <laughs> I can handle it. So how do, we, uh, how do we activate this potential? And this would be a great time to have some musicians. That way everybody will know that I'm just about done. <laughs> how do we activate our potential? One day Jesus told his followers, guys, it's good for you that I go away. Now, if there was ever a time that the disciples and Jesus had an argument, it would have been that day because they're like, how could it? No, Jesus, no, it would be terrible if you go away. And he says, no, I promise it'll be good because if I go away, I will send you another comforter and he will lead you into opportunities and places that are so far beyond where you've currently been living. He says, you, Jesus said, you'll do greater works than I, than I did. And I don't know if the disciples believed him or not because Jesus had to command them. And he did command them. He says, I want you just to stay in the upper room in Jerusalem until you receive the gift from my father. And so 120 guys did that. And they prayed for about 10 days. And, and, and after a 10 day prayer meeting, do you know what happened in that upper room? Do you know this story? Do you know? I'll tell you what happened. The glory of God glory of God came into the church I mean just like Moses burning bush had fire on it and just like the mountain had wind and noise and sound and into the just like Solomon's temple just like brilliant splendor display of the glory of God that's what happened in the upper room it, it was like the, the beginning of a new era when in the church would be the presence of in the church would be the glory of God and the Bible says that they were all filled they were together filled with, with the Holy Spirit and, and I believe that this was the beginning of Jesus greatest desire his final prayer remember his final prayer he's like he's like Father the I can hardly say this the glory that you and I have shared Father, would you give it to them? Give them the glory that you and I have known. Let them in to the glory. Let them know the glory. And a few days after that, in the upper room, here comes the presence of God, the beauty, the goodness, the splendor, and the church carries that and stewards that. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm Four or five things happened, you know. This this group of believers had an unbelievable level of new passion, just unpre, They were filled, you know. I, I don't wanna take time to talk about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, you know. I, I remember one time when I was a teenager, I was, I was throwing toilet paper in somebody's house of a person that I did not like. So I was throwing this toilet paper and all of a sudden this person's dad came out with a shotgun on the front door. I was filled with fear. And I know that when we think about the Holy Spirit, a lot of times we think, oh, I'm, what are you gonna do? Pour two more gallons of God in me? Is that it? I get more? Think about the influence of the personal God in you in such a way that your conversations and your faith and your prayers, and that's what is to be filled with the Spirit. It's not like you get, oh, I get more of God. It's like every part of me is now under a, a new influence and the influence is the beauty and the splendor and the glory. I mean, and the power of God. Does that make sense to you? I, I'm getting sidetracked a little, a little bit here, but... These guys, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they had this incredible amount of passion. They had, number two, this, this brand new boldness. Like Peter is, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have, I give. And he heals a guy. Heals a, a, a new boldness, and then togetherness. Acts four thirty two says now everyone's sharing everything. They're sharing their faith, they're sharing their resources, they're just sharing They're together. And number four, they have this incredible new awareness of their significance. They're going, "Yep, yeah, we're kings and priests now." That's not arrogance; it's awareness that they're carrying the glory of God. They had a hunger they never said well this is enough we'll just we'll just settle in here they went from glory to glory to glory to glory let's have a closing prayer i'm not sure of your of your traditions here so if i'm doing something that's inappropriate please just bear with me. I just have to ask you, first of all, for permission to include you in a closing prayer. And, and, and the, I'd like to include anyone who just t- today needs to say, I don't even know. even know if God lives in me. Do do you know what salvation is? Salvation is when God puts the the seed of his divine nature in you. We could never receive all of the glory of God at one time, but he puts a seed in us. If if for you, religion is just about behavior modification, if if it's just about getting rid of sin, oh no, it's so much more than getting rid of sin. It's receiving the seed of God's glory. And if you don't know for sure that that's ever happened for you, please let me include you in this closing prayer. Or maybe on the Saturday night there are some people who would say, "Pastor, I know I I I used to I had an encounter with God, but the influence of his presence in my life is diminished. It's not the same." I'm not living with an awareness of his beauty, his goodness, his splendor. I'm living with an awareness of how how tough things are. Something happened, it hurt me. And pray for me in your closing prayer. I, I want to be a steward of the glory of God. Or maybe there's someone here today that would just say, Pastor, include me in your closing prayer, because I'm really hungry for a greater capacity of God's presence. To operate in my life with my friends. I, You can pray for me, Pastor, because I don't want to live where I'm at. I want more of God's, I want more of his glory to operate in, in me and through me. So if any of that fits your heart, would you give me permission to pray for you? Would you just show me your hand all over the house? Like, Pastor, I want, I really want, the divine seed in me. Or Pastor, I used to be really close to God, but things have happened and the influences of my, of my life now are not his presence. It's it's something else. Or, Pastor, pray for me because I'm ready for a new capacity. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your honesty. Father, I pray for my friends, at the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. And I just thank you, Lord, that I know. You desire to display your goodness and your love throughout this region. Lord, it takes candidates for that. It takes some people who are saying, I'm, I'm all in, I'm selling out, I'm the seed of divine nature. For those tonight who, who are just opening their hearts in faith saying, God, put your presence in me. Put your divine nature in me. I welcome it. I receive it. And for those tonight who are saying, God, I remember when I used to be so close. so like My life was a mission. My life was a vision. I'm sorry, God, that I've I've let the wounds and the hurts and the fears become more influential than your love. I'm turning away from that tonight. And for those who are just saying, God, I want more capacity in my life. For all of those categories, I pray now, Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us. Fill our minds. Fill our plans, our emotions. Fill us. Holy Spirit, for this we will give you the praise. For we pray this prayer in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen.